Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. We have to make sure we never become like Jonah, where people that we don't like for whatever reason, and maybe it, maybe there are good reasons, but where we would rather see them judged than see them repent. See, that's where Jonah's at. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want God to have mercy on them. He wanted God to destroy them. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Jonah chapters 3 through 4. Now, here's Pastor Brian. San Francisco is populated with people from all over the world who go there specifically so they can live out their sinful fantasies and not have anybody bother them. So, but it's been like that for a long, 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 long time. So I remember years ago, just, you know, I would read something or I would hear something about things going on in San Francisco. And it's just like, oh, Lord, why don't you just, just, you know, just hit the nuke button, just get rid of, you know, this is just so, it's all so horrible and all of that. And then you know what happened? My daughter moved to the Bay Area and she got a job in San Francisco. And she was there every day working till late at night. And I began to pray, Lord, please never judge San Francisco. Please have mercy on San Francisco. Please, Lord, restrain your wrath against San Francisco because my baby girl is there. But you know what? <laughs> there, were, there were lots of people there that parents felt the same way about. There were lots of people there that others felt the same way about. But I didn't know those people. I didn't care. Those people just like, no, just uh, they're, they're a problem. But man, when it was my own child, it just completely changed my prayer, literally. <laughs> I, did, I remembered suddenly like those prayers of judgment. And they weren't necessarily prayers. I wasn't on my knees going, oh, God, please judge San Francisco. It was more just off the cuff, like, you know, maybe in a sermon even talking about that and, oh, you know, deal with that, Lord. But here's, here's what we're going to see in this passage. I, I had a complete change of heart and mind because my child was there now. All of these people are gods. So his heart is always to have mercy, ultimately. That's his preferred action. When it comes to sin, he prefers not to judge, but to see repentance so that he can have mercy. But Jonah doesn't like that. And so, therefore now, O Lord, this is how bad it was for Jonah. Please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty extreme. 
Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Apparently, he's still hoping that maybe they're not going to totally repent. So he's going to just sit and watch and see. And the Lord God prepared a plant. So here we see, again, God's direct involvement with the situation with Jonah. He prepared the wind. He prepared the fish. And now he prepares the plant. And he made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now, you know, in this part of the world, it can easily be 130, 140 degrees during the daytime. So a little bit of shade would be a wonderful thing. So you could understand why Jonah would have been very thankful for that. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint Then he wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. (laughs) Jonah's a bold man in that he's very candid with the Lord. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right and their left hand. The city is full of children. It's full of young people and animals. I think that's so fascinating, the way God throws in the animals. So... Jonah has more pity and concern on a plant than he does on people. And isn't that just a pathetic place to be? We see that today, though. There, there are people that are very, very concerned about the environment. 
not to say that that's a bad thing necessarily, but they're very concerned about the environment and they want to do things to protect the environment, they think, because they think they know what's the matter with the environment and they are not even necessarily right about it, but they want to, they want to do things that will actually have a tremendously negative impact on people. But the people aren't a consideration. And what does it show you? It shows you, well, they care more about this environment thing than they do about human life. You think of some people who are very devoted to animal rights, which is fine. Animals are wonderful. Um, they're not on the same level as humans in any way, shape, or form. If you have a biblical worldview, you understand that because the Bible tells us that only one creature was made in the image of God, and that's mankind, and the animals were not. But the animals are made by God, so to be reasonable and fair. And even in the law of God, he gives instruction about the treatment of animals and basically says, treat them well. But you know, there are some people that have way more concern for animals and zero concern for people. And this is where you see it with the um, abortion activists, for example, they might be out there at the market trying to recruit you to sign up for Greenpeace to save the whales or whatever else. But at the same time, they're wanting to make sure that abortion is the the right of every single woman. So, I mean, you think about it, though, what a, what a contradiction. But this is just the twisted nature of sinful humans, that we can end up caring more about plants and animals and not only disregarding humans, but actually having a brutal mindset toward humans. Now, of course, Jonah wasn't like that exactly. He was a little bit like that. He wasn't like he didn't like humans. He just didn't like those humans over there. That was, that was the, they were the problem. But, you know, we have to realize that Every person, every person, even Vladimir Putin, every person is made in the image of God. And because they're made in the image of God, there is something there that we are to respect. Now, we don't have to respect what they do or any of that. But what I'm saying is that we have to recognize um, that even in a situation like in Nineveh, 
Nineveh was a wicked city. It was so wicked that God took notice of it. As I pointed out before, there's, there's tons of cities in the world. In one sense, everybody's wicked. But there's a, an extra amount of wickedness in this city. And yet God still, his first inclination toward them is not to judge them, but to have mercy on them. And so as we think of people that we would look at and rightfully judge and say, this this is wicked. We can't forget that they're made in the image of God and Jesus died for them. And therefore there's always the possibility that they could receive mercy. There's always the possibility. And sometimes what we end up doing is, is we just end up, you know, we write somebody off and we consider them a menace to society or, you know, some kind of an undesirable and, and therefore we'd be better off without them. Let's just, let's just get rid of them. You think of the, the prison population. There are many evil very dangerous people in prison. And some might just say, well, you know, why don't we just get rid of all of them? And yet, could it be that there are some that are still yet to repent and be saved? But, some, but we don't think about that a lot of times. You know, I have friends who are now Christians and who are actually ministers of the gospel who were at one time in prison seemingly for the rest of their lives because of their violent crimes. And who would have ever thought that they would be the the objects of grace? Who would have ever thought that they would be shown mercy? Who would have ever thought that they would repent? And through circumstances that nobody could ever figure out, how could they even end up out of prison? But then they end up following Jesus and spreading the gospel and and pastoring churches. Do you guys remember this back when um, George Floyd, remember the George Floyd incident, George Floyd was killed. And there was, you know, there were, obviously there were different responses. So, you know, one community responded with, this is a great tragedy. This is a, this is a horrible thing and so forth. There was, there was another community that was saying, well, you know, he was a bad guy. He was on drugs. He'd been in and out of jail he was probably going to just continue down that path. There were some photos that appeared of George Floyd where he was with groups of guys. They had Bibles. He had been in an environment where he had heard the gospel and received prayer and, and things like that. Uh, but then you know, he died in that tragic death. 
And a lot of people will say, well, you know, he was, he was a bad guy. So we shouldn't blame the police officer for that. It's just he, but more or less the, the thing was, you know, he deserved it. But that's basically saying, well, he never could have repented. He never could have turned to God. He, uh, the Lord would have never had mercy on him. Well, we know that isn't true because God has had mercy on all kinds of criminals. So we have to make sure we never become like Jonah in this regard, where people that we don't like for whatever reason, and maybe, it, maybe there are good reasons, but where we would rather see them judged than see them repent. You see, that's where Jonah's at. He didn't want them to repent. He didn't want God to have mercy on them. He wanted God to destroy them. And man, if we ever find ourselves in that place where there's a person or a group of people or a nation or something like that, where that is our attitude, where we just say no mercy, then just know this, that that is not at all the heart of Jesus. That is not the way Jesus thinks about things. And lest we forget, when Jesus was being nailed to a cross, the very men that were driving the spikes into his wrist and into his feet, he was saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I mean, how easy would have been able to say, Father, judge them. I'm your son. Lord, bring your wrath. Bring your vengeance upon them. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. And so we see that Jonah, although a prophet, he doesn't really have the heart of God. But thank God that God wasn't affected by Jonah's attitude. But God seeks to correct Jonah's attitude. Now, we, most of us, we know this, but, you know, the times we're living in are so, there's so much vitriol in the culture where people are writing off other people, people won't talk to or associate with somebody who holds a different opinion about something than them, family members are divided and all of that, and there, there is even an attitude about those people and they're the problem and God needs to judge that. And all, you know, that kind of thing is, I mean, that's, that conversation is happening at a pretty high volume in the culture today. And we can't be those people because if we are those people, then we're really no different than Jonah. And, as the Lord would say to Jonah, there's 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left. How many people just don't even know what they're doing? And then just also, we need to fall back and remember, where was I before the Lord met me and had mercy on me? 
were there people around me that were thinking, man, were people praying, God, just destroy that guy? <laughs> Maybe. I hope not. I don't know. But, but aren't you glad that he didn't do that? That he had mercy? And so Jonah is a lesson in what not to do and how not to think and feel. And if we have those issues, then we have to get a fresh look at who Jesus is. Because we want to be like him. And remember Jesus, you know, he says these things that are so radical. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn the other to him. That's so against my natural tendency. If someone takes away your cloak, give them your coat also. If someone says, go with me one mile and carry this, go two. Don't just go one, go the, go the extra mile. So Jesus says these radical things. And I think it's easy for us to just read that and go, oh, okay, sure, let's move on. I don't know. Jesus, I don't know what he meant by this, but I mean, rarely do we take it to heart and say, oh, this is actually how we're supposed to respond. When we are slighted, when we are at times mistreated, when we are dealt with unfairly or whatever, instead of going with the natural tendency and striking out, we need to think about what Jesus taught us and about that person that even though the image of God is maybe so radically marred in them, it's hard to even see it, yet it nevertheless is there. And for that reason, we, we hope the best. We long for the best. We, we pray for the best. We believe the best. I wonder what it would have been like for Jonah if he would have just did what, what the angels in heaven were doing. What does the Bible tell us the angels do over one repentant sinner? They rejoice. Here's a whole city of people that are humbling themselves, turning to God as far as they know how to do. And the angels are rejoicing, but Jonah is sulking. And so we don't want to be that guy. We want to believe in the mercy of God because we have been the recipients of it. And let's be now the, the channels through which it can flow to other people as well. February, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson. 
Have you ever resolved to repent from a sin only to be crushed and condemned by defeat later down the road? Or have you ever been hurt to the point that the wounds never just seem to heal, even years later? Well, one of the problems that Jared C. Wilson will help you to recognize is that unhealed wounds are not sin, and sin is not a simple wound from which you need to be healed. Jared C. Wilson shows how discipleship can be messy. This isn't a typical Christian self-help book promising to help you become a better Christian. This is a book about discipleship that puts the gospel front and center to help you sustain ongoing growth in Jesus by the same grace that saved you. In his book, The Imperfect Disciple, Jared C. Wilson will help you experience the grace of God in a practical way that will impact how you live as a Christian. Today is the day to finally learn how to live in the grace of God. Learn today about God's transforming grace. The book, The Imperfect Disciple, Grace for People Who Can't Get Their Act Together by Jared C. Wilson is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Jonah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.